Well, it's five o'clock in Salford. It might be another time where you are. How are you this Thursday? All good in your world? Welcome to the programme. To the programme, welcome. It's me, Richie Allen, live from BBG Towers for the next couple of hours. Sure, I've only got a couple of very interesting guests for you. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, David Curtin, former London Assembly member, lovely bloke, we like David, and the founder of the Heritage Party, he'll be on the programme this hour. There is a by-election going on in South End West. The seat sadly vacant because of the murder of Sir David Amos, right? Now, the Heritage Party has a candidate in the by-election. We'll talk to David about that and much more besides that is this hour. A little bit later on, Ryan Christian, otherwise known as the last American vagabond, he'll return to the programme too, another very good guy. And we will talk, well, about extrajudicial killings. The United States government, Joe Biden launching an attack on an ISIS leader inside Syria, killing lots of children. We'll talk about that and much more with Ryan Christian. We'll talk Ukraine, we'll talk Russia as well. You can join in by leaving me a message or a comment on richieallen.co.uk that is my website. As you know, it's Comment Live. That's where you leave the message. So do that, please. Yeah, some winter bugs stay with you forever and a day, don't they? Anywho, I'm not going to complain because because nobody cares. You don't care, and I don't blame you for not caring. How's it going there then in Dundalk, New York, and wherever the hell you happen to be? It's uh, lovely here today, nice and mild. Apparently, the temperatures are going to plummet in the next few days, but only for a few days. And then it'll be back to pretty mild late winter. Thanks beat to jeepers. Like a bit of mild weather myself. So I do. Where will I start today? Well, you won't be surprised. A report was released overnight from Johns Hopkins University in conjunction with Lund University in Sweden and Denmark Centre for Political Studies. And it found that lockdowns prevented Wadeford 0.2% of deaths compared to letting people get on with their lives. Another way of saying it is that lockdowns did, well, far more harm than good, you know. Between the eyes, yeah. That's the surprise you see. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, tell us something we don't know, Johns Hopkins University and Lund in Sweden and Denmark Centre for Political Studies. Of course, they did nothing. So they said the costs to society far outweighed the benefits. And they said that lockdown should be rejected out of hand as a future pandemic policy. Now, dear listener, here's another surprise, surprise moment. While the Telegraph newspaper and the Daily Mail online 
wrote about this particular study. And while it got a mention on Talk Radio, which is a national talk radio station, the broadcast, the, the television media has ignored it. Now, I can say this without fear of contradiction because I was paying a lot of attention today to BBC News, 24, Sky News, ITN and Channel 4. They just ignored it. Just pretend it didn't happen. Why? Maybe because they're embarrassed, maybe. Because they worked in tandem to shut down any dissent in March, in April, May, June, July 2020, when scientists were desperately trying to get on air. Hello, me, I'm over here. Lockdowns are terrible. They couldn't possibly work against an airborne pathogen. They couldn't work. They'll kill people. They'll destroy children's lives. Hello, hello. And the media just ignored those people, except for programmes like this. So the television news media today, nothing to see here, to see here, nothing. Nothing to see here. They actually found Johns Hopkins, Lund and the Centre for Political Studies that the lockdowns might have even increased deaths. You can never say death. Deaths. Deaths. Because they prevented people getting outside. They pushed people in less safe places. They forced infected people indoors where they could pass on the bug to their family and to anyone they were sharing a space with. So this is not earth-shattering to you and to me, dear listener. But it's interesting. It's out there. So nobody's talking about it. That's just the way it is, isn't it? Just pretend it doesn't happen. It's the world we live in now. Lived experience. Beats. Cold, hard facts. Those snowflake dickheads, those morons, those bedwetters who live on Twitter screaming about people, screaming at people to wear a mask, using hashtags like hashtag wear a mask, hashtag keep your distance. These fuckwits, these morons, screaming for people to continue to wear masks. Their lived experience is all that matters. Cold, hard scientific facts are irrelevant in 2022. And of course, the sage scientists, the the zombies, Chris Whitty. Did you see Chris Whitty lately? Did you see the state of him? Imagine taking medical advice from someone who looks like Chris Whitty. Someone who looks like he's about one step away from the funeral home. They knew back then that lockdowns were useless and would kill people. I'm pretty sure the puppets in government knew that lockdowns were deadly, were foolish and would kill people. But it was never about any virus. Again, I and others have been saying this from the outset. It was never about the virus. It was always about the mRNA jabs. And the lockdowns, the second lockdown, and the third lockdown, and the lies about waves and variants, because there's no Omicron variant, it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. There was never any Delta variant or Kent variant. Lies on top of lies. And those lies, those stories, those tall tales were told to convince people to have the jabs. They knew from day one what lockdowns would do to people's health. It's not all about money. Leave the economy to one side, although the economy and public health are, of course, intertwined, of course, of course they are, because when people can't earn and they can't pay their bills and their mortgage, of course they get stressed, 
They get sick. Some people take their own lives. So all of this was known, but it was about the jabs, the jabs, the jabs. And the cost of living is making the headlines today here in the UK. I won't get into it in too much detail now because I know David Curtin will have plenty to say on this in around about 20 minutes' time. The cost of living, spiralling utility bill costs. You know all about this. They're removing the cap. Well, they're not removing the cap on energy companies, on what energy companies can charge you, but they're increasing it. They're pushing it right up. Blaming wholesale gas prices around the world. And it's going to force people into fuel poverty. People who never had to worry about switching on the gas central heating to heat up their homes. So a lot of that going on today. Food prices as well. Of course, you and me, we've been around the block. We've been doing this type of program for years and years and years and years and years. And the Hunger Games Society written about by David Icke after he went to see that film, had many a conversation with him. That's where they're pushing it. Forcing people into poverty, stripping them of their assets, their possessions, is all part of the plan. It's all part of Agenda 2030, The Great Reset. None of this is by accident. None of this is bad management. It isn't bad economic planning. It is by design. And I know this in my bones. This isn't conjecture. What is happening? People phoning up talk radio programmes this morning. Not crisis actors. Genuine people. Petrified. Screwed. This is it, I'm screwed. They're going to hike national insurance in April. The energy bills are going to be £600 a year more than they were last year. Can't afford that. I'm screwed, me. Landlord is putting the rent up. I don't have a mortgage. I'm, I'm not speaking about myself now. I'm projecting here. I'm imagining. I was hearing these calls today. I was hearing them. Landlord's putting the rent up. I'm screwed. I've got a husband or I've got a wife. I've got two children. Screwed. Absolutely screwed. What am I going to do? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. I was thinking today that in times of economic hardship, when jobs were scarce, and they have been scarce Throughout the 47 years I've been on Earth, there have been times when jobs are hard to come by. But you know what? There was always hospitality to fall back on. I fell back on hospitality many times myself in my formative years. And when I say I fell back on it, if you've worked your entire life in hospitality, don't think for a minute that I'm a snob. I love it. My better half ran a bar in Spain. I love it. Love being behind a bar. Any, anyone like me with, with an outgoing personality, with a big mouth who likes to talk, loved it. It was always there when things were a bit tight. Even if you were still working and your hours were cut down maybe, things were a bit dicey. Well, you could do a couple of shifts behind a bar. It was always there. It's not there now though. Not anymore. This is all by design. It's 12 minutes past five. And if you're brand new to the programme, don't be shaking your head thinking, why isn't he backing up his claims with, with, with evidence? This isn't very evidentiary. He's just making this up. No, I'm not. I ordinarily would and have done for years backed up these claims with evidence. I don't have time now. We'll, we'll shuttle it on a bit. We'll get into it with uh, David Curtin. 
talked this week on the programme about the football player David Goodwillie, who, <coughs> excuse me, was signed by Wraith Rovers in Scotland. And when they did, there was an immediate backlash from Val McDermott, the author, and also from one or two club officials, one or two other sponsors, and the captain of the ladies' team. They kicked off because this guy, David Goodwillie, lost a civil case in 2017. A girl said that she was raped by him. It never went to criminal court because there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute him. She took him to civil court. He lost. He was labelled a racist. This was known. It wasn't like Wraith Rovers didn't know this. They took him on because he's a good player and he knows how to find the back of the net. He's a striker. Now, the club said today, just to kind of end this saga, well, the club have ended it. They said they were wrong for signing him and he will not play for the club again, nor will he train with the club. They said they will be reviewing his contract. Good luck with that, Wraith Rovers, by the way. Good luck with it. You won't be reviewing his contract. You will be paying him in full up to the end of his contract. And you'll be putting him on gardening leave. You won't be getting out of this one. Morons. Two directors resigned. Sponsors withdrew. And the women's teams said, uh, we don't want to play under the banner of Wraith Rovers anymore. Uh, the chairman, John Sims, said, we bitterly regret signing Goodwillie saying he won't be selected, and uh, that's the end of that. Mad times. And speaking of COVID and, and lockdown, <coughs> lockdowns and coercion to take, to take jabs, Jesus, Mary, hang on, hang on. Let me have a, a sup of Ishka. Oh, yeah. You can't bet it there. Bit of distilled water there, yeah. Speaking of jabs that you don't need and that could kill you, uh, this country, the UK, has approved a fifth COVID jab made by the company Novavax. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Novavax, yes. No, no, I don't mean Novavax. I'm not making it up that a fifth jab has been approved by the medicines and healthcare products regulatory agency. They said it is safe for adults to have two doses of it, and they said that it gives you up to 89% protection against COVID illness. That's what they said. And there's a plant in the northeast of the country, Teesside, that is currently manufacturing millions of doses of this drug, which they've given a name to. Now, hang on, I'll give you the name. Its name is Nuvaxovid. Nuvaxovid, N-U-V-A-X-O-V-I-D, Nuvaxovid. They said it was known to be 89% effective against catching symptomatic COVID. Sure it is. Sure it is. Quarter past five. I'll be talking about this in the second hour. The leader of the Islamic State group has been killed, allegedly, overnight, in an attack in northwestern Syria by US special forces, allegedly. They've showed some video. Uh, the guy, Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qurashi, that's the guy's name. you think Tommy Robinson would like these guys, wouldn't you? Got plenty in common with them, with all of these names. Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qurashi, allegedly the head of ISIS, was, uh, was killed. Uh, Joe Biden, the President of the United States, said, thanks to the skill and bravery of our armed forces, 
we've taken off the battlefield the aforementioned Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qurashi. Wait for it then. Then the spin started. Because Syrian first responders found the bodies of 13 children. Excuse me. Syrian first responders found the bodies of 13 people, including children. So what did they say? The United States media, what did they say? Well, they said that Qurashi detonated a bomb, killing himself and members of his own family when he knew the game was up. Lying bastards, right? He blew himself up. We didn't kill him. We didn't kill the children. He did it. You might remember they said that about uh, al-Baghdadi, didn't they? Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the jihadi daddy. They said the same thing back in October 2019 when they killed him. And they also killed a load of children there. They said, uh, oh, oh, he did it. Uh, as we as we turned up, he, he detonated a bomb and, and he killed uh, himself. Yeah, yeah. Jeannie? Yeah, right. Dry that one out, you can fertilise the lawn. That's right. Dry that one out, you can fertilise the lawn. And there's an interesting story. I don't know what you make of this. For the second day in a row, RAF jets here in the UK have scrambled or been scrambled to intercept unidentified aircraft uh, Russian aircraft, apparently, Typhoon jets took off and headed north because apparently uh, four Russian military aircraft was buzzing just off the north of Scotland for the second day in a row. They're saying, I don't know if this is true or not, but they're saying that this is especially tense. It's not uncommon for RAF jets to, to take off and to keep an eye on craft, military craft belonging to other countries to, to kind of shepherd them away or watch them or whatever. But they're saying now it's very serious now because of everything that's going on in Eastern Europe on the Ukraine border. We're going to talk about that, of course, in uh, the second hour with Ryan Christian, the man himself, the last American vagabond. Comment live on the programme, during the programme, at richieallen.co.uk. Comment live at the top of the page. There you go. Richard says, Neo-Covid, I hear, is the next new virus. Marcus says, as a DJ, I had one gig in two years. Cost me 4,000. Excuse me, it's cost me 40,000 pounds in earnings, says Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 40 grand down the drain or money that is not come in, money that you need to pay your way, to pay your bills, uh, to live. Pennywise says, Richie, I work in hospitality. We're always hiring. He says, well, or she says, he or she, will give you a shift behind the bar any day, mate. You say that, Pennywise, but around about 10,000 pubs have closed permanently in the last two years. So, of course, I'm... Of course, I couldn't say that hospitality jobs are not available right now or that you couldn't get one if you wanted one. But I'm saying they will become increasingly scarce. If they're not scarce already, is what I would say. Faisal says, I think the negotiations would be over projected earnings from appearances and gold bonuses that he would lose. That's right, but undoubtedly the lawyer for David Goodwillie or his agent will say uh, <clears throat> you'll have to pay up the contract in full, including 
in, 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 including in full any clauses, anything where it said if you get 15 goals a season or if you get 15 goals this season, well, we've only got four months left in the season. If you get seven goals or eight goals between now and the end of the season, we'll give you X amount of money on top of your basic wage. I hear what you're saying, Faisal. But his representatives would be entitled to say, well, you've taken the rug out from underneath me. You've, you're denying me the opportunity to play, so you're going to have to pay that money anyway. It's going to be interesting. There's no doubt about that. Craig says in 2028, when the homeowner's environmental certification standards become tougher, that's of course about insulation and heat pumps, there will be even more rent increases as landlords are forced to spend lots of money. Either that or those landlords will sell up and homelessness will go through the roof. And they reckon they want, they want to end gas boilers. They want to effectively phase out gas boilers to save the planet. All of this, is, of course, is monumental bollocks. CO2 doesn't cause warming of the planet. It doesn't. There's no evidence to support it. And I've said a thousand times and I've written about it on the website. There is only a tiny, 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 there is only a fractional amount of CO2 in our atmosphere anyway. It's negligible. And they have no idea how much of the CO2 that is in the atmosphere, which is less than 0.01% or something like that, 0.014%, I think it is. They don't even know how much of that is produced by human activity on planet Earth. It is bollocks. So they want to phase out gas boilers and they want people to pay for heat pumps, which at the moment, a conservative estimate, is it'll cost each household at least £20,000 to install because the heat pump draws heat from the ground, from the soil. It's an external thing. It's an external thing, isn't it? I've seen the diagrams of them. Incredibly expensive. Craig makes an excellent point. An excellent point. Landlords will say, well, yeah, we, we, if you force us to put those things in, well, we'll, we'll pass that expense right back onto the tenant, won't we? Of course they will. Anto says, bills, 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 Richie. They'll never stop going up now. Uh, just pay less than you did last year. Make an effort if you like. They can't cut us off, he says. Well, they can if you have a smart meter, says Anto. Get rid of the smart meters. I don't have one. We don't have one. There was one when we bought the house we live in now, but it's been disabled. It's been disconnected. But there was one here. Previous owners of the house did um, did install a smart meter. But I know a lot of people who've gotten rid of them or who have repeatedly told their energy supplier, no thank you, no intention of using a smart meter. Huffman says we're going to have to start building pyramids again for a universal basic income. Yeah. Gavin says the ease by which the masses went into lockdowns and closed their businesses wore a mask. That surprised the politicians. Healthy people had never been locked up before. Uh, the removal of some restrictions is a setback for the cabal, but they will return with more hype, more variance, and economic destruction to heap the misery onto people. I'm going to disagree with Gavin. I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days. Now, this is an opinion, just like Gavin's. It's an opinion. Gavin might be right. I don't know. 
I think they'll abandon lockdowns for for viruses. I don't think they'll do what they did in March 2020, what they did in late 2020 with lockdown too. I don't believe they'll do that. I think it's feasible that once we get into October, late October this year, they might start talking about face masks again. I have no doubt about that. But as for telling people to close their businesses and compelling people to remain at home, I'm not sure they'll flog that one again. Uh, I don't think they will, but I stand to be wrong. Or I, 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 I could very well be wrong. I'm often wrong. Vicky says, I'm not going to be able to, to afford to go to work soon, she says. Neil says, Richie, could you give a mention about the upcoming changes to the 1998 Human Rights Act into a modern Bill of Rights we only have until March 8th to have a say. We'll be talking about that on the programme in the very near future. Thanks so much for that. 25 minutes past the hour. Time for a tune. When I come back from it, more of your comments. And David Curtin will be on the programme. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford. Welcome to it. Good to be with you. She and him, Zoe Deschanel, is one half of that group. 28 and a half minutes past five. It's me, the BBG Richie Allen, with you till seven o'clock this evening. It's uh, going to be interesting this evening. David Curtin is standing by. Love chatting with David. Later on, Ryan Christian, the last American vagabond, will be on the programme as well. Uh, Thanks for your messages. Uh, Hundreds of them come in during the programme, which is lovely. Keep them coming in. It's comment live can say anything you like, anything you like. All the better if you don't agree with me. Chris is in Kent helping his pal with his window cleaning business. His pal is recovering from a heart attack. He was double jabbed, says Chris. He's fully embedded, always has been, in the cash economy. I gave him a headache when I start, uh, started talking about the whole agenda, but from his and maybe my new perspective, taking away cash will be heavily resisted. It would destroy a massive part of the real economy. Many places now refusing to take cash. We have tickets for a concert this weekend. It's very unlikely we will be attending the concert because it's uh, not logistically possible for us to do it. um, We've got other things going on, but we were due to go to Manchester Arena this weekend for a concert. Anyway, it's not going to happen. But I did get an email from the venue today Uh, to remind me that there is absolutely no cash at the venue, ever, at all. It's card, contactless only. And that's happening everywhere. There you are. Okay. People are telling me that I'm wrong about my belief in germ theory, but that I'm right about most things. I'm not right about most things. I have opinions. And I don't believe in germ theory or disbelieve in it. I go by my experience. And my experience of going into school and going into a business or a place of work is that when people were sneezing and spluttering and stuttering and coughing and waving around their handkerchiefs, I would always come down with whatever they had. Going to be speaking about that with Jenny Lowe's next week, Nurse Jenny, what a brain she has. Uh, Portugal-based nurse, great, great lady. She'll be on the programme with me. 
uh, said for me on Monday. Busy Monday. Spiro will be joining me on Monday as well. It's going to be busy Spiro score us. It is 29 minutes to the top of the hour. You will be aware, because I've mentioned it on the programme, that today there is a by-election in South End West because uh, of the, the... Well, the seat became vacant because of the murder of Sir David Amos, the Conservative MP. He was murdered on the 15th of October last year. So the polls opened earlier today. They'll close at 10 o'clock. One of the candidates is Ben Downton, standing for the Heritage Party. You will know, of course, uh, David Curtin. David is a good friend of the programmes, the founder of the Heritage Party himself and a former London Assembly member. David, it's a real pleasure. Welcome back. How are you? Hi, Richie. Good to be with you again. Yeah, I'm really good, actually. Thank you very much. Thanks for doing it again. What What do you make of um, the the by-election in in uh, in South End West, looking down the field, uh, the runners and riders, as it were, there are a lot of people standing, and it seems that they're single issue candidates. They're standing against lockdowns and vaccine mandates, and basically standing against dystopia. David. Yeah, that's right. There's there's nine candidates on the ballot paper. Obviously, the, the bigger parties decided they wouldn't stand. It was a difficult decision for us. But we thought, you know, on balance, we believe in democracy. And, you know, we are actually more like the traditional values that the Conservative Party used to have 30 or 40 years ago than what we have now. And they've put up a candidate that, you know, says she's going to be the same as Sir David Amos, but actually is quite woke and, you know, goes along with all the globalist lines and narratives and everything. So we have to give people a choice to stand for that and to restore sanity and common sense and be a party for the people. Um, you know, what, what I find going around on the doorsteps and, and um, talking to people is the main issue that they're concerned with is crime, actually, because they're concerned about what's happening in their neighbourhood, in their town, and because a lot of police stations have been closed, because the police have been um, underfunded for so long, and they've been redirected into doing all all kinds of things they shouldn't be doing, like uh, patrolling tweets and uh, offensive, politically incorrect posts. They're not actually going out and dealing with real crime. And that is a big concern of people in South End. And, um, you know, we, we absolutely represent them uh, in that issue. It's funny you mentioned that now about patrolling people's opinions or, or monitoring people's opinions. We talked in the past about West Yorkshire police doing that very thing. I didn't realise that it was going on. Call me naive by all means. I probably would have imagined it was happening elsewhere, but I didn't know that was going on in South End. Are the police down there really going after people for their opinions on, I don't know, topics like, like sexual identity or gender identity and stuff like that? Is that really going on there? I don't know of specific cases with, with Essex police, but it is happening with a lot of police forces around the country. I mean, you, you, there's a very famous case in Humberside, obviously with Harry Miller being uh, <laughs> dragged before uh, the, the, into the police station. Uh, they're saying, we want to check your thoughts. And there was a case in South Wales recently, of uh, a terrible case that went into Raider, uh, an innocent woman's home, to check that what she was reading because they thought she was transphobic and so 
so on. I mean, this is happening all over the place. But Essex, I don't know specific cases, but I think it's a general concern. Um, but there is, a, you know, things have just been generally run down with the police service. And obviously you do have uh, over the last two years with the whole COVID madness, police everywhere going and patrolling people for whether they're wearing a mask or not, or, you know, whether they're six foot away from their friend in the park and, and things like that. You know, that's been going on everywhere. And I think, you know, that's added to the general feeling that there is uh, the police are not doing the right thing. Added to the hypocrisy of what's been going on in Downing Street. And there's a lot of outrage about that. And, you know, the police were sitting right there. There's masses of police on the gates of Downing Street. And yet the parties were going on uh, while everybody else was locked down and uh, told to stay away from their friends. Yeah, and, very, uh, very Clouseau-esque that. Those mm. police officers hanging around Downing Street, yeah, very Clouseau-esque. I think I heard someone say, I, I was glad to see this week so many Conservatives. Now, you know I'm not a Conservative, not that it matters what I am or what I'm not, but I was delighted to see so many Conservatives coming out in defence of the right of Joseph Kelly to tweet about Captain Tom. Now, I know you're a proud British man, I know you're a proud Englishman, and, mm. uh, and, and I have total respect for you being a proud, I'm a proud Irishman. But um, we can't be, we, we cannot be putting people on trial for saying things, even if they are terribly offensive, even if they are pretty wretched and rotten. You know, the only good Brit soldier is a dead one, born old fella, born. Joseph Kelly is obviously a dickhead, excuse my French, right? Mm. But we can't be putting people on trial for that, so we can't. Oh, I, I agree with you. Look, what he said was horrible. It was nasty. It was offensive. It was meant to be uh, nasty. It was meant to hurt people's feelings. But, you know, Captain Tom has passed away, so he's not going to be personally hurt by this. And, you know, when someone says something like that, you know, I, again, I don't think that should be a criminal offence because he hasn't caused harm, loss or damage to a living person. So, you know, if if Captain Tom was still alive, obviously he's got the right to take him to the civil courts for um, defamation, for libel and all these kind of things. So you've got that recourse. But I don't think it should be uh, a criminal offence. And, let, you know, if, if he's actually going up to his face and saying it right to his face and actually uh, you know, harassing and abusing and bullying someone, that's a different matter. But just spouting off some really stupid thing online you, you know I mean I think you, the, the punishment in a way is that everybody telling you you're so out of order you know just just shut up and absolutely. everyone can see how terrible he is. Absolutely and of course there are consequences there, there are societal consequences for doing stuff like that you know you might find it difficult to get a job you know you might find it difficult to get a drink in a bar now I'm not saying that's right but that's hey ho pass the butter that's your fault you made that stupid tweet and now you can't get a job well you know own it live with it but taking him to court and stuff. Um, no, terribly, terribly wrong. David Curtin is our guest. Always good to speak with David. 22 minutes to the top of the hour. If you'd like to to to, to join in, go to richieallen.co.uk and comment live. It'll be good to hear from, from you this evening. Sticking with this, the, the, with Johnson and the parties, as somebody who has quite righteously stood against the tyranny of lockdowns, of course, the foolishness of lockdowns, as you have done, and we'll talk in a moment about that Johns Hopkins study, which is very helpful, I think. I suppose a part of you is kind of delighted that Johnson 
was caught with his trousers down, maybe not literally, but caught with, 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 with so many parties. Because it might say to people, David, that these idiots didn't believe there was any need to be locking down anybody. And therefore, it might finally get through to people that they were had. Oh, you know, absolutely. I think it's fantastic that this has come out at this time. You know, it's divine in a way. And it's really um, timely because, you know, in a way, people should be more outraged over the lockdown and the social harm that's been done and the people have died. But, you know, people are emotional. And when they see the leaders of the country who have put in place these tyrannical rules, actually breaking those rules with impunity, it's very clear that they weren't worried about a deadly virus. And, you know, there are laughing and drinking wine and having parties together and breaking all the rules when they're telling people that, you know, your elderly relatives have to die alone and you can't see them. And it's absolutely disgusting. And, you know, it's good in a way that it's actually woken a lot of people up to the fact that these people who are in power, it doesn't matter whether they're Labour or Tory or, or SNP, you know, they're all the same, um, that they they do not care about following their own rules. They've got their own lives and they're just following a narrative which is to lock everybody down and then you take uh, and push us in the direction actually of uh, a digital identity and social credit. But, you know, these plans have now been scuppered to some extent because people are actually seeing the hypocrisy of these leaders. Good point. There's another way of looking at this, though. I've got to be the pessimist just for a moment. Um, It matters not to me which puppet sits in Downing Street. They're all the same. They serve the same masters. We've discussed this in the past. However, if this clown Johnson is, if his position is terminal or his situation is terminal, and I think it is probably, I think he's only limping on a couple of weeks maybe and he'll be gone. They'll have obviously a leadership contest. I think... If that happens, I think it's a racing certainty that Starmer is going to lead the next government. And you talk then about, you know, the European Union, the importance of not being in the European Union. You talk about those agendas, that woke agenda, that culture war agenda. And you talk about lockdowns again in the future. It's going to be a damn sight worse with Starmer, you could argue. Oh, it's a very difficult one, this, because, you know, Boris doesn't deserve to be there. He's an absolute disgrace. And, you know, his his uh, wife, Carrie, as well, you know, obviously has a big influence over what goes on in Downing Street and seems to have a big influence over policy, which he shouldn't have. And, you know, I think I want both of them out of Downing Street because they're just an absolute disgrace. But, yeah, of course, the problem there is if you get rid of Boris, everybody else who's in the frame is even worse um, than he is. But, you know, at the moment, the Tories still have an 80 seat majority. So, you know, people are thinking that they're working together, obviously, and they might try to angle Keir Starmer into number 10. But, you know, I would say, you know, a plague on both their houses. I want to get rid of the whole stinking lot of them, Tory and Labour and SNP, and just have a new um, government which is made of people who, you know, are for the people people and are for the nation. Um, This isn't going to happen with 
those that are MPs now. But to be honest with you, as you said, you know, quoting Anson Bauer there, who's then later Anson Rothschild, uh, I care not what puppet is yeah. in the, the government uh, and, and so on. Um, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I, I think the, the act that Boris puts on of being this nice, cuddly, bumbling buffoon is, is an act. And you've got to see through that. And he is as hard hearted and cold hearted and callous as everybody else. And he's doing exactly you know the same as, as what anybody else would do. So I, I don't um, I, I don't subscribe to the point of view that we should keep him there because someone else might come along. We've got to get rid of him and then just you know bring the whole house down and then you know hopefully then people can vote for the Heritage Party and we'll put some decent people in there. Absolutely. Well, to but build back, to build back better, to to nick a horrible dystopian Orwellian phrase, to build back better, to really build back better, David. Curtin is our guest, uh, the Heritage Party founder and uh, former London Assembly member. Good to have David on. A lot of people getting in touch with programmes like this and many others today to talk about their fears for the rest of this year. Energy bills are going to rise by 54% for millions of people in this country. They're blaming the international retail market, the wholesale market uh, for gas, for the for the rises. They've um, th- They've increased the cap of course the the, the cap uh, they've increased it to uh, by 708 pounds a year i believe uh, for most people it's you're looking at severe poverty in this country in the next uh, four five six months you have a national insurance increase set to come in from april as well uh this is these are terrible times david aren't they is, is that the sort of thing you know you talk about people being worried about crime in south end is that the sort of thing people are talking about as well i can't afford to live if things keep going the way they are going it's basically going to bankrupt me and my family I ha- it's interesting. I haven't heard so much of that yet on the doorsteps because this is coming. It hasn't happened yet, but it is going to hit people very, very soon, you know, in in a matter of months, even in a matter of weeks. And when it does hit people, then I think there's going to be a massive outcry because when you see the bill drop on your mat, um, then you know uh, how bad this is. But this, this is absolutely inevitable though, because of total mismanagement in so many ways. You've got a huge increase in national debt because of the lockdown and the furlough and the 37 billion spent on the NHS track and trace system and however many billions wasted on PPE and another 5 billion nearly wasted on fraud from the furlough. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous combined with um, not investing in energy sources which give you a continuous and reliable uh, source of energy such as gas and coal and nuclear and they've gone on to trying to get offshore wind farms up and saying that's going to provide our energy in the future which is not because it's intermittent it, it, they don't they don't even turn around when the wind is wind is too slow or even when the wind is too fast they have to turn them off because they'll break i mean the the, the energy policy the green energy policy has been absolutely ridiculous and they're pumping tens of billions of pounds a year into subsidies which is making our energy bills go up so all of these things combined is it, is blind obvious it's like a, a slow motion train wreck coming um how do we get out of it well we need to start living within our means and not spending more money than we get in as a nation we need fiscal responsibility so stop spending money on re- 
ridiculous projects that, that don't benefit the people and only benefit the, the cronies of the government who have got companies that benefit from getting government contracts. And this is how corruption works in the UK. And we have to face the fact that we live in a very, very corrupt country. They wouldn't say that we do, but corruption is rife. It's, it just doesn't happen in the same openly ostentatious way that it might happen in, say, uh, Zimbabwe. But it does. Um, we can't continue to live like this with these people. And as long as we have these kind of people in charge who are corrupt, then we're never going to get out of it. It's going to get worse and worse. So, so that's why, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult to climb out of this hole. Um, but, you know, do you know what we could do? Do you know what we could do? I've been saying this for years as an old trade unionist. I've been saying it for years. What we could do, what we should do, of course, is we should open the pits. You will know this, um, but maybe some of our listeners won't know. The UK has probably got around about 200 billion tonnes of coal. In Northern Ireland, there's about a billion tonnes of lignite, which has never been mined. And none of this is happening. It hasn't been mined. The pits were closed, as 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 most listeners will know. Uh, policies from Blair to Cameron to, to Blair to Brown, I should say, to Cameron, uh, to May to Johnson. Green policies to drive coal out of the energy mix in this country. Imagine what we could do if we opened up the pits in this country again, made them safe to work in. I think you'd be putting hundreds of thousands not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to work in well-paid jobs and our energy problems disappear overnight. And I don't believe for a minute, I'll never believe it, not because I'm some Luddite, not because I'm some, um, you, you know, kind of purveyor of, of fake news. There isn't a shred of evidence that CO2 contributes to the warming of the planet. There isn't. It's a nonsense. It's a lie. Open the pits, David. Put hundreds of thousands to work. Energy problems gone for the next 5,000 years. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. No, no, I haven't heard any more common sense than that. Absolutely. You know, we'll create jobs. We'd be self-sufficient in energy. You know, I think we need to go towards trying to be self-sufficient as a nation. And for this time, it's an absolute gift. It just needs somebody to take advantage of it and say, let's do it and let's abandon all this absolutely ridiculous green nonsense. Carbon dioxide is not a harmful gas. If it were, again, the sort of global elite that are absolutely hypocritical with their parties are also hypocritical with carbon because they're all flying around the world on their private jets to go to Carbis Bay, to go to COP26 in Glasgow. The other day, Liz Truss was on a private jet to Australia and back you know, half a million pounds and who knows how much carbon dioxide she guzzled when her, yeah, yeah. her regime, her government is telling everybody else that we have to cut down and actually get rid of our petrol and diesel cars. I mean, the, the whole thing is just an absolute farce and it's there to make people uh, poor and it's there to make people dependent on the state. So then the state can control you and it can control your thoughts, what you say, what you do and control your finances. And uh, then they, they increase their uh, march towards totalitarianism. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. So to, to counter that, we just need common sense. We need to use the God-given, uh, easy-to-use resources that are there and uh, just get back on track to being self-sufficient and uh, take advantage of the abundance that we have in this country. Amen. Do you think a day will come? Um, pretty silly closed question this because I know you're an optimist but 
Will will enough people understand that these agendas, the you know the the the, the green agenda, the, the 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 transformation of of the way healthcare is done in the country, that all of these things are about closing, are about squeezing people, uh, limiting people in terms of what they can do, where they can go. You said impoverishing them. All of these agendas are terrible for the prospects of people. Will enough people, do you think, in time for us to stop it, will enough people finally, will the light bulbs go off over their heads, will they realise what's happening? Well, you know, that's when it's too late. Yeah, then everyone will realise that they've been led down the garden path and they've been deceived and uh, we're going to a very bad place. But people are waking up. You know, I go on the freedom rallies uh, in London. There's one every month and they're fantastic and we're standing up for freedom and many, many other issues. And we we walk along the road and we talk about all of these things. And I think most people who go there understand about Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, the whole climate alarm green agenda is linked in with the COVID agenda. It's linked in with cultural Marxism. They're all sort of coming from the same place and they're all trying to um, destroy society. So you've definitely got hundreds of thousands of people that understand this, but you don't have tens of millions yet. You know, we need tens of millions to understand um, that this is what's happening. Uh, but it, it absolutely um, astounds me that, you know, we're, we've had quite a few by-elections this year, but still, um, the Tories are winning a couple of them. You know, they won the by-election in uh, Old Bexley and Sidcup that I stood in. They they didn't win a, a couple of them, but you know, the Tories and Labour are still, um, you know, up high in the polls. If you can believe the polls, maybe that maybe that's the issue that they're actually not trustworthy. But I think now people are abandoning them in huge numbers. And, you know, what we're going to see in South End, for example, is that I think the Tory vote's going to collapse from about 28,000 down to seven or 8,000. Um, so, you know, they're, they're losing two-thirds. Which of will be a victory, right? If they lose uh, two-thirds of that majority, even if she's returned to Parliament. Mm. Listeners are hugely interested in this on my website. There's an enormous amount of comments. Um Let's be fair. Let's 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 take one or two of the more negative ones just to be fair. There are mm. listeners saying it's it's incredible to listen to David who obviously knows what's going on. Why then does he waste his time with the political system? Why does he waste his time engaging with it, putting up candidates when he knows it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference even if he himself was elected to parliament tomorrow? That's a fair question. Why do you engage with it? Yeah, well, it is a fair question. It's a question I get asked quite a lot, actually. But, you know, the answer to that I have is that we still got the political system that we do have, and it still has an effect on our lives. These people who are in uh, Westminster and also in county council halls and, you know, county city halls and so on around the country, they still have an effect on us and our lives in a, in a very real way. So, you know, if I got elected, it would be fantastic and it would be a sign and a symbol that things are changing. Obviously, I by myself as a single MP couldn't do too much to change uh, what goes on in terms of making laws, but it's a bridgehead. And I hope that we'll grow 
quick enough and and uh, and strong enough to be able to stand in the next general election and, and get in, uh, get a majority. It's a massive, massive hill to climb. Maybe you can call me a dreamer. Maybe you can call me completely unrealistic. But if you don't try, then you're not going to, it's not going to happen. You know, the one thing that is certain is if you don't try, uh, you're just going to keep on getting what you've got. And, you know, I don't think that the, the whole system is just going to break down. We're going to get rid of Parliament. We're going to get rid of the systems we are and have a new system. You think that's unrealistic. But on that, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know whether I agree or disagree with you on that point. But we, we saw hundreds of thousands of people in 50 or 60,000 trucks peacefully rock up to, I think, Ottawa. And that led to the utterly vile Justin Trudeau and his family hop-skipping it out of town. Now, I've always believed, you were in Leicester Square, I I know, giving powerful speeches with others over the last two years, and at times I believe there were, I believe anyway, there were several hundred thousand people around the city protesting. Imagine if you had a walk to the gates of Downing Street and kept walking, all of you. Um, No violence, no you know, no no ugliness, none of that, but just to say to these people, piss off now, it's over. That's mm-hmm. my dream, that. That is my dream, that people will eventually... And you know, I shared that dream with people, David, you know what they say to me? Some people say to me, oh, Richie, I'm terrified of that. And I say, why? And they say, what will fill the vacuum? What will it be? Will it be thugs? Will it be the fittest survive? Will the strong men and strong women you know, take whatever they want and leave the rest of us with nothing. But I mean, that's an argument for another day. But what about that idea of turning up en masse and saying, look, enough's enough now. We're not going to live like this anymore. Yeah, well, then you'd have to, in, in that case, have you know, something like that is happening in Canada where you have, you know, the truckers, you have really good men, uh, hundreds of thousands of good men turning up in London with whatever vehicles and, and way of surviving they can and, and staying there and saying, yeah. you know, enough is enough but i i think they played quite a clever game in in the uk because well or, or you know i don't know if it's even a game because there has been some pushback on the regime here and that's forced them not to go ahead with their plan b or to abandon their plan b which was more lockdown more masks um vaccine passports they rode back a little bit from that so we've we've got more freedom in England than they have in Canada, where they're really locking down on them hard. They're going for the vaccine passports. They're saying if you don't have uh, two doses or three doses of a vaccine and a vaccine passport, you can't work. Um, They're doing that here. They're trying to do that to the NHS workers, but they've been forced to row back on that to some extent. So Canada's gone further, and I think they've got to the point where the people have just snapped Uh, We haven't got to that point here in England. But if they do try to bring in another lockdown, for example, then, yeah, I think we're going to go like like the Canadian truckers here because, you know, we're just not going to have it. Sounds good to me. It's uh, coming up for three minutes to the top of the hour. David, good luck tonight. I know you're off down to uh, South and West. I know you're you're going down to the... uh, 
to the to the count centre yeah. uh, to be with your your candidate there. I hope you're right. I, I hope that there's a, a big uh, kick in the backside too. I mean, look, look. The it would appear because of what happened to Sir David Amos, it would appear that um, the Conservative Party candidate is probably going to win it. But it would be uh, it would be a good thing, I think, if uh, that majority, Amos's majority, was reduced significantly. So uh, it'll be fascinating. I'll be checking it out uh, in the small hours of tomorrow morning. Good to hear from you again, and thanks as always for coming on. Thanks, Richie. Good to talk to you. Bye for now. David Corton, former teacher, of course, uh, David, and uh, the founder of the Heritage Party, off there to uh, the South End West Count. Uh, The polls close at 10 o'clock there. Going to be interesting what comes out of that. It is the Richie Allen Show. It's Thursday's Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. I'll be reading your comments, and there are plenty of them, after... Ah, well, after this short message. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk I think I have some Sade lined up, so why not? Here's, here's a bit of Sade. And Smooth Operator as we approach 6 o'clock this Thursday. He's the 3rd of February. It's February already. You're listening to your Richie Allen show on richieallen.co.uk. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.co.uk Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. Welcome back. The time is three minutes past six o'clock or three minutes past the hour. It's the BBG. Do you like your hula hoops, do you? Do you like McCoy's? Do you like the sizzling king prawn ridge cut McCoy's crisps? Or do you prefer the salt and vinegars? Do you? Or the... Or the the steak flavour. You might be in trouble because KP Snacks, KP Snacks, which manufactures McCoy's crisps and hula hoops, has warned retailers that they might not be able to supply them with their with their crisps and their peanuts. KP makes peanuts too, salted and roasted. They're lovely. I'm salivating here because I've not had roasted or salted peanuts, and I've had very little crisps in recent days. Withdrawal syndrome, I think. I'm suffering here. Ransomware, apparently. A ransomware attack on KP Snacks has ground the manufacturing process to a halt. They've apologised to their their, uh, clients, I suppose, or to their customers, more like it. So there you are. Uh, A message quoted by Better Retailing. One wholesaler warned problems could last into March. This happened on the dark net, apparently. BBC News reporting that cyber criminals published personal documents from staff with the company letterhead. And then they put a countdown timer on the page, warning that more documents will be published unless a ransom is paid. How could any documents belonging to KP 
how could they be controversial? You know what I mean? It makes peanuts and crisps be Jesus. But anyway, I'm partial to hula hoops, the red hula hoops myself, but there you are. That's kind of like a public service announcement because we all like our snacks, don't we? Anywho, a number of you uh, messaging me about climate change and stuff. Let me read one or two of your messages. By the way, Ryan Christian, the last American vagabond, will be with me in just under 10 minutes' time. How cool is that? Yes. Nurse Jenny, Monday. Spiro on Monday. Can't wait. Lots happening. There'll be a live phone-in show next week as well. And I know you don't believe me, because I've said it so many times, but there will be rules from now on in in the phone-ins. I'm getting, I have a little jingle, little timer. Everyone will get the same amount of time. And then you'll have to wrap it up. To be fair to everyone, because there were about, so many missed calls that I have last week. Now let me check now, because one thing I don't like to do, is I don't like to exaggerate or tell you any porkies. Let's have a look. Let's bring it up there. The old system. I had four. 106, 406 calls. Not all now from 406 different people, but spread around about 100 listeners who didn't manage to get on. It's not good enough. So from now on in, you'll get five or six minutes, everyone, without any exceptions. I don't care if you ring up and you tell me you're, you're, I don't know, the Queen, and it actually is the Queen. You're only getting five minutes now. You blue rinse backstart. Five minutes is what you're getting. <laughs> Let's talk about Andrew. Is he a paedophile, is he? So uh, it's exactly seven minutes past six. So five minutes for everybody from now on in. And I am going to stick to that because good friends of mine, good friends of mine in the business who do critique my radio shows, which is a good thing, professional uh, evaluations and stuff. And they've said to me, Richie, you gotta got to move these calls on a bit now. It's generally quite good, actually. It's only last week it went a bit, you know, we, I think I did three calls, didn't I? Not good enough. Not good enough. We're going to have to do something about that. Gail is on to say there is a massive convoy descending on London from all around the country, Scotland and Wales. Is that going on now, Gail? Or is it planned for the weekend? I did hear something about this. Uh, let me know. Red Green says you should be a light unto yourself. Jim says that he stood in local election or a local election back in 2010. Jim says he's never seen so much voter fraud and corruption in his life. It was unbelievable, says Jim. It was blatant and in your face. But Jim, you're giving scant details there. Give us some meat on the bones there, Jim. What did you see? Did you see shady looking characters walking in, stuffing the ballot boxes? What did you see, Jim? I want to know. Scaramouche says the China coal pits, the coal pits there in China, are run totally, he says, or she says, on AI, powered by 5G. The only workforce are basically people observing what's going on. Is that right? You see, you learn something new every day or somebody's pulling your leg. But I'm not saying Scaramouche is pulling my leg. I don't know the answer. But I don't. I can't imagine why he or she would be making it up. Cookie says if Mr. Globalist really thought global warming and sea rises were genuine, 
why are they building their summer homes next to the sea? It's a good question. Tony says, CO2 is the gas of life. Without it, plants die and so do we. Correct. Steve T asks, did you know you have prepaid your utility bills, your council tax, via the Bills of Exchange Act 1882? And he provides a link to a YouTube video which proves it, apparently. Yes, indeed. And just to go back to the point I made to David, a number of you said you'll never change the system by working with the system. I put that point to him. I have no... uh, I've been telling people for years it's a scam. It is pure theatre. Politics was given to us by the ruling elites of the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th centuries. They were thinking about it back then. The royal families of the world and the financial powerhouses of the world in the Middle Ages even were thinking eventually these people out there groveling around in the shit eventually they're going to come for us. They will eventually grow tired of being ruled by us. What will we give them? And in the end, and I'm really synopsizing this now when it's a big, big topic. In the end, they invented parliamentary democracy. Constitutional monarchies, which we've got all over Europe. Constitutional monarchies. Yes, let's pretend that we're stepping to one side and that we're going to inhabit purely ceremonial positions in the future. Yes, yes, they'll believe it. Let them elect, let them elect, an, let them elect a parliament of their peers and let them believe that they are the masters and mistresses of their own destiny. That's what the ruling elites did. The banking families did. When they knew the people were coming for them, they saw what happened in France. Fuck that. They saw what happened in France. They're coming for us. Hmm. What do we do? What to do, sire? Tell you what, let's give them the illusion of democracy. That's what we'll do. And that's what they did. So I agree with you. And I think David Curtin, bright guy as he is, lovely guy as he is, and great value on the Richie Allen show. He's always got interesting things to say. I think they're pissing in the wind when they're standing in elections. But that's just my opinion. And I'm not in the habit of just putting people on the programme that I agree with, you know. So fair play to them. It's what they want to do. But ultimately, if he got elected, he'd have to swear allegiance to the Queen, wouldn't he? And all her heirs, before he would even be permitted to enter the chamber. I'd I'd like to take my seat there in the House of Commons. I got elected for Stoke-on-Trent. What's her name? Richie Allen, I'm Irish, but but I got elected. You can't come in unless you swear allegiance to the Queen of England and all her heirs. What? But I'm not here to represent that bastard. I'm here to represent the people in Stoke, who elected me. Surely I should swear to, I should swear by Almighty God to do, to do, to do right by them. I should swear by Almighty God to serve my constituents to the best of my ability. No, no, you swear allegiance to the Queen and all her heirs. Right. No thanks. Back in the day, those IRA guys who got elected in in Belfast and elsewhere, of course, they couldn't, they couldn't enter Parliament, so they couldn't 
because they couldn't swear allegiance to the Queen. Anyway, it's a 13 minutes past the hour. Thank you for your comments. Lots of them. Tim in Brazil asks, where can a friend watch a good death for free? That's the iconic production made with Jackie Devoy. It was available for a week after it premiered for free, which was great. Really good of the guys to do that. You'd have to jump onto iconic.com, I think, I-C-K-O-N-I-C.com, and ask. Uh, It might be available somewhere else online, but I would hope, because you have to support independent journalism, I would hope you wouldn't be hawking pirated copies of the documentary around because they spent a few bob making it, they need to make it back, and they need to invest that money then in future documentaries. That's what I would say. Don't do it. Okay. All righty. number of you yesterday and today are offering me unsolicited opinions about the state of my health. Um, I've got two words for you, and the second one is off. Don't take it personal, because I don't know you. I don't know what you look like. We've never met and we never will met, meet even. But don't be so arrogant as to be offering me solutions to do with my bloody health. I'm covered, thank you. I've got the right people to approach, to ring, to phone up, to speak with if I need advice on my health. I am otherwise in pretty good health. Thank you very much. I know that you mean well, but uh, it pisses me off. He says, now opening the floodgates to about a thousand posts. (laughs) Offering solutions on health, you bastards. Told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Piss off with your advice. If I want your advice, I'll get it from you. Okay. Shall we get Ryan on the programme? The last American vagabond.com, I think, is a must for anyone wanting to understand what's going on in the world. It is a terrific resource for news and for information. Uh, The sorts of discussions, stories, facts, uh, what, what, what would I say? Exclusives that you'll never get on mainstream media, on uh, the the mainstream press or mainstream television or radio. Let's meet the man behind The Last American Vagabond. He doesn't need very much introduction. It's the one and only Ryan Christian. Welcome back, Ryan. How are you? Good, brother. How are you? Always a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks very much. I'm all right, to be honest. Um, there's, There's a lot for us to get into now in the half an hour thereabouts that we have. Let's talk about tension in... Eastern Europe in, in Ukraine and okay. a bizarre story here in the UK yesterday and today, typhoon jets being being scrambled to go to North Scotland to see off Russian military aircraft and all this sort of stuff. You have the UK Prime Minister going to Ukraine, to Kiev to say we're standing side by side with you. Look, I think you and I would probably agree uh, the Russians have the Russians have a righteous argument here. Promises were made that NATO wouldn't expand east of Germany uh, at the fall of the Berlin Wall. The NATO countries didn't honour that agreement with, with made with Gorbachev. Russia is legitimately concerned that Ukraine might join NATO and that NATO uh, countries might put missile silos or ICBMs in Ukraine and we're not having any of that. I think we'd probably agree on that. What, what, what I'm yeah. really interested in, Ryan, is 
where is this going to go? Is there a genuine threat here of some sort of serious conflict involving Russian troops, Ukrainian troops boosted by or bolstered by troops from the US and the United States? Is that a genuine, in your opinion, possibility? You know, it's a really interesting question today. And I would say yes, just an easy answer, yes. And But in, in inherently, when I first come across the story, I'm right in line with what you're thinking. And I, I feel like very clearly, I think we can all see that there's a huge level of this that is, you know, part distraction, part, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of play, layers to this. I mean, we can all see what's happening in, in, the, in regard to their medical policies in the U.S. right now. They're falling apart. And so there's a huge effort right now. And we could point to what's happening with the UAE and Yemen or what happened in Syria just today. All the claims everywhere. They're clearly trying to direct our attention elsewhere. But why I answer yes is because I think we need to remember that even when these are ploys, psyops, manipulations, whether that's a complete wag the dog situation, which is totally valid, or an actual situation where people's lives are being taken still for an agenda, the point is that they can go that far. You know, I mean, our governments or any other governments that matter, the UK in the past have shown themselves to be willing to sacrifice people's lives, including their own citizens for agendas. And and this is in regard to foreign policy specifically I'm discussing, you know, and, and in this case, I wouldn't put it past these people from allowing things to to explode into some kind of actual internet in, in geopolitical problem, kinetic war situation to allow that to achieve a certain goal for them. That's why I say it's always potentially real. But my gut tells me that this is not what people want. Like to even go even further, a people being in, in the government situation, going even further, my mindset is today, I actually think that we're the idea of a kinetic war in the way that we remember them is the past. I don't think these people in these powerful positions even think in that way anymore. I think we're using war situations like this to scare people into positions. Doesn't mean we still wouldn't have some kind of a kinetic action, but like world war situation, I just don't see that being where they're going. I mean, we're watching the coordination, the collaboration, for even from China, even from Russia. I mean, the ties back to the World Economic Forum and the Young Global Partners. We can all see that there's a coordination to what's happening with the Great Reset, climate change arguments, discussions, right? So it makes me worried that this is more of a shell game and keeping us focused on certain things while other larger agendas are playing out, you know? So it's, it's, it, but again, it's, it, the point is I don't think anybody really knows where this could go because it could, all, it could really end up being one rogue actor inside of these situations that creates some kind of a violent action that then de- demands some kind of response. And we know how the U S acts in that position. They go further every time. They go further you know, every so, time. Absolutely. Well said. And the Russian president, Vladimir Putin went to China, didn't he? And the, the Chinese premier, uh, Xi Jinping, I believe, used the term, my, my best friend. And, and when, when I heard that, it kind of calmed me a little bit because I saw the theatre in that. You know, there, there is that theatre element to this, which you've kind of touched on there, that this is really about uh, focusing people's minds on position A while other things are happening in positions B and C in other agendas that maybe we don't want you to be talking about right now. So that, that yeah. that's, that's very interesting. And to add to that too, to your point in the beginning, I mean, all of that aside, and this is what frustrates people that, you know, try to frame somebody being objective as one side or the other, that you sort of Russian shill because you suddenly recognize the validity <laughs> yeah. of their point. You yeah. know, it's ridiculous. But it's obvious to point out that it's absurd. I mean, t- talking about Gorbachev and, and the agreement with, they, they, they've obviously broken that, but we just pretend today like no agreement means anything with the new administration, which is why nobody trusts this government anymore. But or rather probably never should, but at the same time, where they're standing and what the, where this is all happening is right over there along, you know, it, it, right up against Russia, right? So that's crazy to pretend like that wouldn't be more valid for them to be 
concerned about what's happening there from another country that they see as an enemy, right? I mean, that's ridiculous. It's the same argument as saying it makes sense for Russia to go stick it, do things in wherever. Let's just take uh, Cuba, for example, or any variation. They, they complain about Venezuela, all of which are allies, right? So how, it, but yet they lose their minds when they breach the other hemisphere, right? Yet here's the United States right along places like China and Russia and elsewhere. And they act like the moment that they start taking the exact same actions the U.S. government does in, in the other situations, that they're breaking rules and violating norms. And it's just, it's hypocrisy. That's not to say that what Russia does is not something we shouldn't be calling those things out just the same, right? But it's a misrepresentation of the situation, especially going back even for, further, as I know you know, that the United States is the one that literally created a regime change situation in the Ukraine, and that's that gives Russia a valid reason to be concerned about what they're doing right there. Very good, very well said. The last American vagabond.com. Gotta check out that website. I'm sure you have. If you're new to this program and you're new to the independent media, you uh, will not go far wrong. You're listening to Ryan Christian. The time is 22 minutes past the hour. Brilliant stuff on the on the site. I check the site out at least three, four times a week and uh, love the way it's produced and presented. Really interesting bit of information. We're going to jump between a few different topics here. Love this um, st- study, which, which, which absolutely nails down the, 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 I think, the truth about the COVID jabs. Looking at what's happened in Scotland, brilliantly put together. If you're fully jabbed in Scotland, you're two times more likely to get COVID there is a 25% increase in the chances that you'll be hospitalised and there's a 40% chance, you're, you're more likely, to, you're 40% even more likely to die if you get COVID. Just to say that again, for the fully jabbed in Scotland, you're twice as likely to get COVID. Remember, you're fully jabbed now. Um, there's a 25% increase in hospitalisation, in the chances that you'll end up in hospital and uh, you, you are 40% more likely to die. Um, great soccer saying here, uh, Ryan, game over, right? That's game over when it comes to whether these jabs are any good and whether you should be taking them. Absolutely. I mean, and that, let's be clear, we're as you made clear there, we're talking about Scotland only. Scotland as only. people always try to make, you know, shoving in data from somewhere else and saying, but that challenge, we're not talking about anything else at this point, right? If we focus on Scotland and focus on the data that they're putting out, that's specifically in regard to the risk breakdown between people vaxxed versus unvaxxed versus, you know, and they include three shots in there. But to your point, and I proved this in the beginning, they're still calling two shots fully vaxxed. So we're just going along with their narrative, right? So fully vaxxed is what we're discussing. And if you break down this data, as you can look, see on the show, not only, and I've been saying this for months now, and it has been backed up by their data for months. If you, if you, the majority of every category, the majority of cases, and I mean the vast majority, we're talking like 80 plus percent, that's the UK as well, in, in, in all of the categories, in cases, hospitalizations and deaths are all heavily slanted towards the fully injected. Now, their argument, as always, which is fluctuated from all the cases make sense, but no hospitalization and death, and then suddenly once that happens, they go, no, it's expected because more people are injected. Now, you might argue that sounds like a fair argument, and it might be if you didn't then jump over to the risk per 100,000 that's also posted on Scotland data, which is why I focus on it, and every single grouping has a higher risk for the fully injected in uh, when compared to the uninjected when you look at the risk per 100,000. Now, that was their argument before. They go, but, 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 the risk is higher for those in that category that are uninjected. Now, what's incredible to me is now once that's changed, now you see this big red bar at the bottom that says, no, don't use this information to decide whether risk or effectiveness. Why? 
They literally argue because of age breakdown and different risk biases. Now, why that's so important right now is because that's exactly what we were saying in the beginning. When we say, wait a minute, the risk for those that are 80-year-old in a nursing home is exponentially higher for that the 19-year-old that has a lower risk than the flu. But they combine it all and act like we're all at the same risk. But now, after the injections, they start going, no, 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 you can't apply that same logic because now they can make it look different. You see, it's, it's just all hypocritical, right? But to your larger point, Scotland information right now is destroying their narrative. So too is the UK. And the UK is just playing a little bit more shifty by hiding the part, the two dose category now, even though they still consider that fully vaccinated, right? And they're using the third dose, which is not even fleshed out entirely yet. So the bottom line is the data that they're showing you is absolutely making it undeniable that your risk is higher and more people are getting sick. But I always point back to specifically the cases because UK and Scotland, and by the way, Iceland, Ontario, New South Wales, Northern Ireland, I mean, I've gone over a lot of these places, are showing you right now, and the US is the same way. The majority of cases are happening in the fully injected, and then the risk, the risk is higher. So that is what we say, that is the pandemic of the injected. Even if they want to pretend the hospitalization and death risk is lower, which it's not, the reality is what they've even said from the beginning, what actually continues to spread this if you think that's what's happening? Transmission right? The passing of this to somebody else. And then we also know that the injected are showing to have higher viral load and increased risk of transmission and so on. So this is perpetuating it. In fact, right now, if they wanted to be honest, they'd be asking, they'd be protecting the uninjected from those that are spreading it the most, which are the injected. And this is their data, but they just, they're running from it right now. Look over there, look at Syria. You know, I think that's what's happening. And does this, does this speak then to um, what we call, or what, what, what doctors have said to me on this program, this in how do they put it enhanced antibody dependent what is it it's yeah, uh, yeah. because because you've had the jab and um, they believe because of the spike protein because of what it does you are more likely to become ill or even more ill the next time you encounter some sort of uh, coronavirus no matter what it is that's that's what what might be going on here yeah, well, in part, it's a very important part of this conversation, and this is something that was called out even by peer-reviewed science back in December 2020, not in an ambiguous way. They called it a significant and specific risk that needed to be informed, To people needed to be informed about it, otherwise they would not be meeting informed consent. That even got peer-reviewed in March 2021, and still nobody talks about it. It's called antibody-dependent enhancement. That's that is what... That is what Dr. Fauci even admitted had happened before and could happen again if we don't do it right before this all started, talking to Zuckerberg in an interview. Now, here we are, and they're pretending it's not a real thing or they're barely pretending like it even exists in this context. What it ultimately boils down to, and Dr. Ryan Cole has been talking about this, and plenty of people have been pointing this out. If you make an antibody response in your body that's not necessary, that's not producing antibodies for something you currently need, which is why your body doesn't just forever make antibodies. It has the memory B, memory B the T cells, and, and the idea is that antibodies wane, and eventually they come back if you get sick again. But today, that's not what's happening with these new injections that are not vaccine tech, classic technology. They're creating, they're injecting you with mRNA technology that it contains this in lipid nanoparticles or, or encapsulating the mRNA instructions and delivering the instructions to make a spike protein. Now that spike protein is still, and I've proved this even with the approved Moderna shot they just approved based on the original isolate from, from Wuhan. So right now they're admitting this thing is mutated 50,000 ways from Sunday and yet they're, or at least that's what they're saying, 
and then arguing we need a new one, a new Omicron injection, yet arguing we need to continue to give people the thing that does not make an antibody response that's necessary or even valid to what's in existence today. They're telling you Omicron is 90-something percent. They're, making, they're giving you an injection that makes antibodies for the original strain or maybe at the most alpha. So that, back to your point. If you're making antibodies, oh, to add one more thing, as Cole and others have pointed out, this doesn't just make them for a moment, a period of time. This makes the spike protein continually, right? So your body ends up continuing to make this thing, which could then end up triggering those same responses, which, by the way, aren't really helping you, even in regard to the issue, because, again, they're not the right antibodies. But to the point of antibody-dependent enhancement, it continues to do that. So your body's pumping these things out, and your body begins to recognize this, and it starts attacking. It basically creates a worse situation if you had never taken the injection. Yeah. So if you, once you get the injection, your body makes a worse response to the virus than it ever had before. RFK Jr. even called this out in the beginning. And you know where they would have noticed this the most obviously? In the animal trials, which they skipped until after they had got this going. And I think that's why. You think that's why? It's funny because what you described was described to me in mid-2020 by the German scientist Sukharit or Sucharit or Sukharit Bakhti. I managed yes. to get him on. And I could hear the horror in his voice when I spoke with him, the horror. Because He's it, one it, of the earliest ones calling this out, too. Yeah, He's yeah. He, right now. He, this is, I'm not bragging at all, but I, this was the first programme he spoke to. And, I, and yes. he was horrified. I remember listening to him because it had just occurred to him in the days before I ended up speaking with him what, what was going to happen. And how and and how this would manifest in people in people's bodies, and he was completely and utterly bewildered at the time by the fact that you know people who he knew should know better, peers of right. his in other parts of the world should be telling people no, this is not uh, the way to go, and and on that because at the moment you see. The, the coercion has been dialed down a bit here, Ryan. Ryan Christian is our guest, by the way, folks. Check out the last AmericanVagabond.com. It's an excellent resource. Bookmark the website. Terrific writers on there. Uh, besides Ryan, great content. Meticulously you, researched. No, it Richie, is. If I, could add, if I could add one more point about... Do, do, yeah, before I ask the next question, coercion, I think it's really important to also note on that to, to, to flesh out the idea that, you know, the spike protein is a huge part of this. And but, but which which should be seen as independent as the, of the antibodies being created for it, right? But the spike protein itself, as the Salk Institute's made clear, and plenty of other people have backed up in peer-reviewed science, is cytotox cytotoxic. It can get you sick itself, right? So if we've already established, which we have, Dr. Luigi Warren, who was the in inventor, the discoverer of this in the first place, and that's different from the inventor of the technology for these, and discussing partly Malone, the idea is that he came out on Twitter and said, yes, the spike protein can shed. There's already been science that shows that it can come out through your sweat glands, especially since we've proven that it goes into your bloodstream and so on. And he got censored for this until they were forced to bring him back. He's the expert. So now we know that this can happen. So the idea is if we know that it can shed and spread and we know that it is can create disease, means which means you get it, it can create, make you sick, you can spread that, right? So there's a huge part of this where we're not – That's my question would be if that's happening to even test – positive for COVID? Is that even considered COVID-19? I don't think so. So my point is we're having this huge situation where people are being tested for something, which we know involves a gigantic false positive, different conversation. But then that goes into these numbers we're looking at, Scotland too. But what about all the people that are ending up with situations fully injected in the hospital that aren't being connected to this because of stuff like that, right? What are the heart attacks, the blood clots, or just other illnesses that are being disregarded? You know, so there's a huge factor of this that adds this whole, and, and this is how the statistics are being played with, right? And I think that's important to understand before we step into the coercion part of it, because 
knowing all of this, at the very least, it's obvious to point out that there's literally, I mean, you could call it unscientific to, for, to force only unvaccinated to take action, but it's, it's actually openly counter to what they're putting out right now. It's, yeah. it's staggering to me. It is. And the point I was going to make about coercion, and by the way, just before we talk about coercion and how it's being dialed down a bit, at least in this country, which makes us very suspicious and very wary. But what you, what you said there, I, I spoke to a mutual friend of ours on, 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 on self-spreading vaccine technology, which is fascinating. Right. Um, Spiro Skouras I'm talking about. And you, you kind of touched on something there that we've not spoken about on this programme for a while. That is the possibility that the jabbed person, God love them, they don't know any better, but they've had the jabs, that they might be a pretty... Now, this is might, I don't know this, but they might present a problem for, say, an unjabbed person like myself. If I was to be in, say, constant contact with somebody who's fully jabbed, I might basically catch something from them. Right. Well, this is a this is a really interesting multifaceted conversation, right? And and yeah. first of all, to touch on what we were just discussing, the spike protein part of that, it's interesting that you bring up the self spreading because you know that literally could be what that is. But the argument would be from the self spreading vaccine technology, which I'll flesh out for people that don't know what that is, is it's meant to spread the actual vaccination part of it, which I wouldn't argue the spike protein is doing that even even remotely in the context for what we understand typical vaccination as in the past. But it's interesting because that's a sense it, what's happening. You know, you're spreading something that's then getting you sick to a degree, which would then arguably give you some antibody for. I don't. You, the point is, we're talking about something so interest, different and new. Is it even a virus we're talking about here? Does that even really what's going on? You know, it's a spike protein, and anyway, it gets so convoluted. But the idea of the self-spreading part of it is valid, and this is something that is completely dismissed in the mainstream circles as just like absurd tinfoil hat fake news, despite the fact that Johns Hopkins, in the midst of COVID-19, put out an entire report about how that's a valid possibility, even in humans, for COVID-19 injections. Now, the point is, it's it, the, the, the impetus for this began with the idea for animals. At least that's what, that's what the argument, what their research says. It was because of you know, the argument that zoonotic transfer is an issue, which there's plenty of experts that challenge that, but taking that at face value that we need to do something about the animals that are sick. So we would, you know, inject the, do- the the wolves or the bats or the pangolins or whatever. And they, and you put this on their skin, on their fur, and then it would spread amongst them on its own. Now, ignoring for the moment, how alarming that is just to put something in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, the wild that would spread on its own. It just scares the hell out of me. Yeah. But they are now arguing that that makes sense for humans. And of course, they're always framing it like down the line in the future, trying to scare everybody, just like the fourth industrial revolution before COVID-19 was framed as way in the future. And now they're telling us we're there, you know, but the idea is that they are telling you that they put this in your body and that you will be able to pass on the vaccination to people around you. Of course, they give you know lip service to how that would remove informed consent, but then go on to act like that's not important in their, their very article. But the problem is that that might be what's happening right now. And there's an interesting part of that. This is just my opinion. I'm not saying we can prove necessarily this other than in Pfizer's documentation, and I still have this, I've, I've saved it. There's one of the things that came out early on that listed Pfizer as self-amplifying. Self-amplifying. There's self-spreading, which is supposed to be only used in animals today, and it's a new technology. But then there's also self-amplifying. Now, that was a different version of the mRNA technology. Supposedly, we currently have what's the, the opposite of that, which is meant to only produce one spike protein or limited spike protein. But we know that's not happening, right? That's been proven, and they just don't talk about it anymore. No, they don't. So, Could self-amplifying, right, so, sorry so. to interrupt, Ryan. Could mm-hmm. self-amplifying mean, in the Pfizer notes, could it mean 
amplifying within the person who has received it. Well, yeah, there's ways you could look at it. The yeah. simple way, the definition of it simply means that it continues to produce the spike protein yeah. at a surface. There's more to it than that, but so the idea is that it continues to, and that, the idea would be that that should. I, I think that's an an angle of this whole self-spreading idea, but the, the interesting part about it is the self-amplifying was the first version of the mRNA technology they, they worked with. That was the first part of it. Then they transitioned to what they're doing now, but they're framing the self-amplifying as the next step, even though they discovered it first. That just seems weird to me. But I, overall, the point is it's continuing to do that. And I don't know why they would hide that from somebody if that's ultimately what's happening. Yeah. But that is exactly why people are getting sick. You're continuing to make the spike protein. You're continuing to keep them at a position where their body's pumping out antibodies for things that they do not need anymore. And then the spike protein itself is causing illness. And by the way, the mRNA, which is also problematic, or just simply the nanoparticles. The lipid nanoparticle concentration is pro problematic. Their own research shows that at the levels they're using right now. But nobody talks about that. Nobody is talking about it. Obviously, uh, huge interest in this. Lots of comments as usual. Graphene oxide is coming up. You, I think we spoke, maybe we didn't, maybe, because I've mentioned it to other people. I'm in Salford. I'm on the edge of Manchester city centre. I'm a mile away from the city centre. Manchester is ground zero for graphene. Uh, I think you probably know that. Some listeners w probably won't know. The University of Manchester, this is where all the graphene research has been done. Uh, there is security at Manchester University, at the, at, at the, graphene, the graphene building, if I can say that. It's, um, it's unimaginable, the security. And, and I have this on, on, on good authority. I hear so much stuff about people managing to get the jabs or managing to get a vial of one of these jabs and seeing the graphene content, a, a content of it. What do you know or understand that, that, that graphene has to do with the makeup of, of uh, the mRNA jabs or some of the mRNA jabs? Why should people be concerned or not about graphene? It's, it's a valid question, and I've said that from the beginning. I, I do think there's a lot of misinformation flying yeah. around in this discussion, and I think that's uh, – my gut feeling in the very beginning told me – and this was just my gut, I, and I feel like it's been fleshed out, though, with, with the evidence we've seen. But in the beginning, it was simply that I feel like this is a valid concern that's being actively, like, counter counterintelligence-wise covered up by coming out with things that are intentionally hard to prove or maybe misinformation so that that conversation gets dismissed as fake news long before it flushes yeah. out to be more real than we want it to be, right? That's, that was my gut. But I got a lot of negative attention from people in the independent community because I came out saying I don't, you know, like this early stuff. And here's the problem is that we came out early and we didn't say we didn't think it was real. We simply said that the, the uh, information they're using to back this up can't be verified. And, that, and there's a lot of things in there that seem a little loosey-goosey for me. You know, like we're just kind of comparing images with different angles and different magnification. And the bottom line was that we should be skeptical. And that people kind of misconstrued that as we're calling it fake and we're it's not. It's called but, journalism and I don't think you, right. you give a shite, to be honest. And, you, and you're right not right. to give a shite. Look, I, exactly. I, I've said exactly what you've said. I've said, uh, well, if I, if I how do we know? There's people are rightly concerned about it. I want to make sure people hear my full thought and why I'm not dismissing this. Because I, I've, I've later followed up on a show recently. It was maybe, I don't know, a week ago. And and I made I went through in depth all of the, all of the research it, the, the previous, oh, I shouldn't say all of them. I think it was like five or six of them that were very important to showing you that before this and well into COVID, they're openly discussing exactly what people say could be happening. Using graphene for literal delivery of, of, of uh, biological, for medical purposes. It's exactly right. what people are saying could be happening. So then if that is 
in the context of COVID being discussed as the next generation, why would it be dismissed as the stupidest thing, craziest thing ever? That's, I mean, that right there goes, makes me feel like it's probably something to it, you know? And so the point is, I think there's something going on here. I don't know if I can say, I believe that it's currently there, but I don't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, we could talk about uh, smart dust, nanotechnology, and all the different points of which they've said that in, and the research showing that that's exactly what should be used today in regard to delivering the exactly what we're using. And, you know, we can see how this is going forward. So I'm concerned about that. But I would say, in my opinion, the only one that I've seen prove and, and independent, so you could prove it for yourself that they did, in fact, have a vial that did, in fact, come from Pfizer was the group, uh, uh, Reiner Fulmick and their group. Right. I forget. What's the name of the group again? I forget. Me too. Uh, I forget as well. Yeah. But that's it, right. It, they, they, they had they had a sample, didn't they? Of, yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, but the, my point is they went on they, when they discussed it, they didn't come out and say this is graphene. They simply said Here, some people are saying this could be that some people are saying this. And they were honest about it and said, we can't prove to you that it's that. But yeah. look at this. And that looks crazy and concerning. And so I reported on that one. The rest of them seem to be kind of going way over the top and just saying, and, and you know what? They could be right. And I could be wrong. My point is it, it's hard right now. It's, it's a very sensitive topic, but I, trust me, there's valid reasons to be concerned about that kind of stuff, as well as, I, to be quite honest, more concerning to me right now is the idea of smart dust and how long that's already been used. How long it's already been in the atmosphere. You're 100% right. right to worry about that. Brian Christian is our guest. The last American Vagabond.com. I love throwing a few things at you out of the blue, a couple of curveballs at you. My favourite. Um, but you're brilliant. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, suspended for two weeks by, I think the company is ABC, correct me if I'm wrong, and said that something about what happened in Nazi Germany was man's inhumanity to man, obviously terrible. I've been to Dachau myself, I've been to Auschwitz, I've seen these places, dreadful. But she was hammered by the, I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know if you could specify as to who hammered her. Maybe it was the Twitterati. Maybe it was what some people call the, the woke, the eternally offended brigade because she, they, they accused her of, of anti-Semitism by not acknowledging that it was ethnic cleansing, that it was, um, it was racist genocide or, or whatever. Now this would, would, would kind of ordinarily be a kind of a tabloid story. I wouldn't normally touch it, but these are really interesting times for free speech and freedom of expression. Um, she might have been clumsy, uh, Goldberg, yeah. in, in the language uh, that, that, that she used, but... Um, Fair enough, right? Aren't we entitled to be clumsy and, and say things sometimes that rub people up the wrong way without getting obviously. suspended for two weeks? Right. I mean, obviously, that's the, the, the crux of it all is that it's it's crazy that we're watching them like rapidly consume themselves right now because yeah. they're so confused about what's supposed to not be good and what's supposed to be good. It's ridiculous. I love the eternally offended. It's hilarious. But uh, to be quite honest, I the I, only reason I even briefly know about that is because I saw uh, – I read like half of the title on something that I passed on Twitter, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't really yeah. even know how that went down. It's like, to your point, it's, it's total tabloid stuff. But it, it, what's po important though in that, it, why I find it to be more important than the usual is because it is, like I said, internal. It's like they're attacking themselves now. And yeah. it just shows you how broken it all is. Like it's not, you, you, they, they are, it, look, boiling it down, it shows you that it's an agenda, right? Because if it never stops, if even the people who are on the moral high ground can't, if they say something and don't just include the exact perfect terms you're supposed to use when you discuss <laughs> it, right. it shows you how controlled it is and how ridiculous it is. And the you know, consequences. You know, the bottom line is we all have a right to our opinion, and that's actually what free speech is. And the idea that if you think someone says something that's offensive and you think you have the right to step in and remove them from society, then you're the problem. Absolutely. what they're Sorry, Ryan. is good or that we should respect it. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, this is great. And it segues into the Joe Rogan thing, 
we've talked over the years, you and I, and I've seen you do interviews and talk about it, the hegemony of tech companies and how that was allowed, how it came to be that several companies, uh, obviously increasingly diluted down from 25 companies to 20 companies to five companies in control of cyberspace, basically. So you have obviously the Google joints, you have YouTube, of course, you have Facebook, you have um, Instagram, and, and then and then you have companies like Spotify increasingly taking control of what can be discussed and what can't be discussed. Uh, Joe Rogan is hugely successful. I know you know who he is. But for listeners who might not know, if he's been on Mars for ages, he's got the most successful podcast in the world. He seems to be a fairly genial guy, fairly amiable. He likes to talk to lots of different people with different opinions. And he actually listens to people, even if he doesn't agree with them. He's had real doctors on. Genuine, qualified doctors and scientists. And they are very concerned about the jabs and the need for the jabs and they're very concerned about safety and stuff like that and they want to get rid of him and you have obviously Neil Young and others coming out saying we will remove all of our stuff from your platform unless you get rid of him now tabloid it might be but this is damn serious stuff Ryan this is the eye of the storm now when it comes to censorship and you know about the online harms bill going through parliament here in the UK which if it does go through parliament here in the UK if it does get through the house if it does get rubber stamped by the house of lords it will effectively mean the end of the independent media here in the UK these are incredibly worrying times for us i absolutely i mean if like we were talking about on uh, i think it was a panel on the Countville couch if uh the White House can come out and basically have, you know, openly talk about how we need to like that Joe Rogan is the problem. I mean, think about how incredibly intimidating that is and alarming. Like you're talking about the the central power of the United States standing up and saying that podcaster needs to go like that's there's a line yeah. that's been crossed, you know, and, and obviously we've seen that crossed a long time ago, but they're just making it putting a fine point on it. But my real opinion of this is, and I've always said, I, who knows for sure whether Joe is doing what he thinks is right or he's being influenced or my gut has always told me based on just surface level looking at this and what he does, that he just, he's just a guy doing his podcast and he, and he does what he thinks is right. He's never thought it was going to be coming as important as it is. He's always, you know, taken the idea that I'm just a guy and I'm just a, a, you know, UFC guy or comedian. But now obviously I think he's engaged with the fact that he is having a huge influence on the conversation. And, but even then you know, the argument is who ultimately knows, but I think it's being reduced down to the simplistic idea of Joe Rogan versus whatever else. And it's easily dismissible. It's like Alex Jones was used. It's how all of this is used. That's right. Right. It, 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 it makes it simple. So instead of actually digesting and understanding what they're discussing, it becomes that if it's on Joe Rogan, therefore you're this, right? You are an alt-right guy or, oh, I bet they listen to Joe Rogan, right? That, we've seen this on Twitter. That's the point. It's simplified. It's reduced. It's left versus right. It's the it's the uh, you know it's the childish version of a, the, the way that they they drive you into this this juvenile way of thinking where it's only possible two choices and a world full of choices. You You're know? right. You know. I, you know. In this country, if a politician comes on this program, you know, the following day they will be accused in the national press of being anti-Semitic for right. for coming on this program because I've interviewed people in the past who take a very dim view of Israel. And, and, and I have interviewed some, some wackos over the years who believe that the Jews are a crazy little clique that are, you know, completely running the world all by themselves. Um, I've interviewed everybody. And, and, and that's, that's exactly what happens. It's, it's reducing everything to a bunch of very simple absolutes. It's removing nuance and context from every debate and making everything binary choice, isn't it? Isn't it, uh, Ryan? Binary right. choice. You're either yeah. red or you're black. 
No such thing as yellow, blue, pink, green. It's either red or black. Which are you? Choose, pick a yeah. side. And, and why, why, in your opinion, stupid question, I'll save a stupid question for the last one. Why can't, at this stage of the game, more people realise that and stop pigeonholing themselves into groups, into identity groups, and just re- and, and do what you do, which is sit back and say, I'm not anything. I'm not anything. I'm interested in everything. I want to hear everybody speak. Why increasingly are people seemingly going further away and getting even more involved in identities and pigeonholing themselves? Why do you think? Well, there's two ways to look at that. To, to take at face value that that is what's happening, I would say it's because of how people are being scared into their corners, right? They're doing, they're pulling out all the stops right now, whether it's virus or whatever else, and trying to scare people into that exact position because that's how people are controlled. It's much easier for them. I made this argument in regard to collectivism in general. doesn't mean that there's negatives in every way, but the idea is if they can get you from an authoritarian position into this collectivism mindset where the many outweigh your individual mindset or the rights, well, it's easier to drive from there into authoritarianism, right? Because it, it just makes sense to get people in this idea where you you can say, here's the greater good and let us decide what that is. Right. And yeah. it's just, you we're falling into it right now. But I've actually argued that that is not exactly what I see happening right now. I think they're rolling out more so their aggressive push to frame the minority fringe, the, the minority extreme sides, the extreme left and right or whatever you want to call it, and project that as the majority, as they always have. But I think they're losing that. I think the jab has inadvertently shown them that this is nonpartisan, that people and, and that's what they're desperate to hide from people. They want to make it all the alt-right and they're the only ones that are anti-vaxxer. The reality is this is clearly nonpartisan and, and, and they're scared of that. And so right now, I think this has shown people that and I, I'm desperate to get people to recognize that if we can stand up as that what I generally call like the 70 percent fluctuating middle that kind of goes one way or the other based on policy. And they just like to frame those two sides as everybody, like the you know, extreme left, extreme right. So I'm more of the wishful thinking, maybe just kind of positive reality that we are seeing that majority stand up right now. And I think they're desperate to frame it otherwise. You know, but I do think that right now they are getting some of those people to scare back in, right? To scare back into their corners. And I think right now what I'm most concerned about is where we go in with 2024 for the United States. I already see the next Trump discussion pulling people back into a paradigm that they were free of yeah. because they understood that this was a nonpartisan push from their government. But then Trump steps back in and suddenly the vaccine's good again. Suddenly it was only about the, the lockdown. Suddenly it'll be good because Trump has control. I'm scared of that, right? Whether you think Trump's the good guy or not, or whether, you know, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Look at what happened last time, right? They can control the situation. And I honestly think he's just being played if he's not part of it. No doubt. Will he... Will he run either way, whether he secures the Republican nomination or not? W- mm. Would he run? Would he run as an independent? Good question. I don't. I, my gut would tell me no, only because that would break what they're trying to accomplish. But look, look at it this way. If he does run independent, I'll be the first one to say that probably suggests to me that he's not part of their agenda. That's yeah. what I would think, but... Who knows where that goes? I, I've actually been waiting for some kind of co-opting of the third party idea. Actually, that's what I actually thought Trump was going to do when he ran the first time, because that was remember when that that election. Oh, man, it was all about the third party. And, you know, like counter establishment was the big discussion. That's right. And then, of course, QAnon, Russiagate drove everybody right back into it. Right. So maybe they're going to do it. Maybe that'll be the next move to take the independent grouping and make that the third party of the same illusion. 
You know, because look, look in the UK, you guys know that you got more than two parties and it's the same difference. It doesn't you know? make a blind bit of difference, Ryan. Can right. I uh, thank you for the last American Vagabond.com? Terrific work, mate. It's hard work. I, I'm well aware of it. Uh, it's hard and some, sometimes thankless work. Excellent writing. The last American Vagabond.com. Thanks for your time today. I know you're a busy bloke, as we say in these parts. Uh, continued success to you and your team there. I look forward to next time, mate. Thanks a lot. Thank you, brother. You too. Bye for now. Ryan Christian, top man, the last American vagabond.com. Check it out if you haven't checked him out before. It is uh, seven and a half minutes to seven o'clock. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Always live. The program is archived on Potomatic.com, RichieAllen.Potomatic.com. Listen, you keep sending me emails. I know it is, uh, it's being kicked off of Podbean. I know, I know that. <laughs> it's being censored all the time on Spotify. I know that. You've got a box, clever. Listen to it live between five and seven, which increasingly more people are doing, strangely enough. Uh, listen to it between five and seven live because then nobody can censor it. Or get it from richieallen.podomatic.com. Podomatic isn't censoring it. They're lovely people. I'm in touch with them all the time. I pay them. You pay them. You pay me and I pay them uh, to host it and to host all the back catalogue episodes. I think there's about 1,400 episodes of the show on Podomatic. It isn't every single episode of the show ever, but it's at least uh, four-fifths of the episodes, I would say. So richieallen.podomatic.com. Clifton in Port Lauriga. How you doing, Clifton? He says, Richie, if there is so much evidence of the harm the jabs are doing? How come these bastards are not facing the consequences or will they ever? It's an excellent question. It comes down largely, and this is a pretty general answer, it's the media, the media, the media, the media, the media. People don't know. People are not going on to the government website to look at the yellow card data. They're not looking at the VAERS data in the United States. I would reckon, Clifton, that's my best guess. The jabs are causing harm. We know that. Great harm in some cases. But it isn't being reported. In fact, not long after the rollout of the jabs, there was a little bit of reporting. We saw a little bit of reporting in the United States, didn't we? We saw reports of people dropping dead with clots. That dried up, though, that reporting. We saw some stories in the Daily Mail. But that's dried up. So, yes, it is... It's... A nuisance. It's regrettable that more people don't understand the jabs are harmful. Or, I should say, can be harmful. I am sure there are those who have had the jabs who won't have or haven't had or maybe will never have a reaction, a negative reaction to the jabs. I don't know. But yes, Sue says my husband and eldest son have both had two jabs. Myself, says Sue, and my youngest son, we've had none. The lads, my husband and eldest son, have had stinking colds. My eldest has been sick two or three times within a few months. Us unjabbed have been completely well. The neighbours who are triple and double jabbed are getting COVID, says Sue. Strange, she says, question mark. Well, not going by what Ryan said there and what others have said, what Dr Anne McCloskey said on this programme the other evening. Yes, not strange at all. It's uh, four and a half minutes to the top of the air. That's about it for me uh, for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like easy listening music with one or two stories, 
if that's your thing, I'll be back here at 10 o'clock UK time on Sunday morning with a programme called Sunday Morning Melodies. If it's your thing, that is. Now, that programme is not archived. So you can only hear it during the day on Sunday live and then it's repeated three or four times. It is an archive. If If it's your thing, join me on Sunday at some stage. If not... Well, we'll speak on Monday at 6 o'clock UK time. Excuse me, excuse me. 5 o'clock UK time. I've got some very, very interesting guests lined up for you next week. All right. Thank you so much to David Curtin from uh, Heritage, from the Heritage Party. I will be keeping an eye on the South End West by-election, which is happening today. Polls close at 10 o'clock. The by-election triggered by the murder, of course, of David Amos, the Conservative Party MP. I'll be looking at that overnight tomorrow morning, see how it goes. It'll be interesting because apart from the Conservative Party candidate, most of the other candidates are basically anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine mandate candidates. Will they make any dent in the Tory majority there? Listen, I'm not being a hypocrite. I know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's nice to look at trends sometimes. It's nice to look at trends. That's why we'll be doing that. Look, in the meantime, thanks to Ryan Christian, Last American Vagabond, thelastamericanvagabond.com. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you again, David Curtin. You and I will talk again real soon. Have a lovely weekend. Look after yourselves and one another. Leaving you with madness. Bye now.